for instance, Earth Day for me is my little thing. It's 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 helping my corner of the world um, with a little bit of extra cash and awareness and a festival that doesn't create a whole lot of garbage. So start it's it's the same thing. It start small, think big, work hard. But it's more and just think about your own little pocket, your own corner of the world, and what you can do. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up, and welcome to episode 86 of Life in Motion. I've got Molly Healy with me, who's a musician, songwriter, and happens to also care a lot about the environment. She combined her passions with the Earth Day Festival in Springfield, Missouri, that incorporates music and sustainability to benefit nonprofits. I'm excited to learn more about her music career and her passion for the outdoors. Uh, Molly, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I know, uh, you know, we met with a, a local uh, nonprofit that I'm a part of here. Um, and I know you've been super supportive of, of them with, with your music for a while. And then it so happens you came there as a guest and kind of uh, shared your story and, and this kind of new adventure. So I'm excited to kind of learn more about it. But before we do that, um, let's let's take a step back and let's talk about, you know, who you are, where you're from, where you grew up, hobbies you had growing up, kind of what led you down this path? Well, um, I was born into a really musical family growing up. My dad was a choir conductor and uh, an orchestra conductor, symphony conductor, actually. And it was in Jeff City, Missouri, so not too far away from Springfield here. Um, my mom was a singer in his choir. She was also very talented. And my brother played piano and violin. He was eight years older than me, so he had already set a pretty good example. So there was a lot of music floating around my house growing up. So I think that uh, you had no choice but to be a musician <laughs> growing up in my family. By default. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I probably would have been put in some sort of, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it, uh, purgatory if I had not <laughs> done something with music. Um, much to my mom's chagrin, though, she always tried to uh, stress the more practical things in life. So sometimes I think that she wishes I had become maybe something else like a lawyer or a doctor, but here I am. <laughs> um, and so I grew up, it was all very classical. Um, and I started playing violin when I was in seventh grade. I had been singing forever since before then. And um, I went all the way through high school playing violin, but I wasn't very good. And uh, I, I just didn't really practice hardly at all. Singing was just my thing. And ironically, when I graduated high school, I honestly thought that I was going to be on Broadway. Like I had these uh, dreams of <laughs> playing in a show such as Les Mis or Phantom or something like that. But the trouble was, I, and I went to school for that here in Springfield, but the trouble was I just wasn't really very good at uh, the other two things, which was acting and dancing that you really need to have. Um, you know, kind of uh, wrapped up in order to have a career on Broadway. So after the first year in college, that quickly uh, kind of disintegrated. And I realized that really the only thing I cared about was the music. And so I switched my major to music and I had put down the violin um, when I graduated high school. And I focused when I switched my uh, college major over back to music, I was mostly singing. Um, I ended up uh, being the president of the uh, at the time, SMS Concert Chorale. Um, and uh, and I got my BA in music from then in SMS. It's hard to say now. <laughs> SMSU. Um, and uh, then I just kind of wandered around for a little bit there. I started playing violin right about that time. I started getting into local bands. And 
But I never, well, and then before I picked up the violin again, I, it was funny that it hadn't even occurred to me to play the violin. And I say this all because most uh, people who know me now know me as a fiddle player, and that is what I do. And so it's, it's, it always comes as a surprise to people that I, I really didn't seriously commit to the fiddle until I was about 23 or 24 years old. Okay. So maybe a little younger, but um, I, I tried things out like uh, djembes and uh, hand percussion. I tried to pick up the piano again. I had played the piano when I was really young. All those were pretty intense failures. <laughs> um, but I really, really loved... Uh, the underground music scene here in Springfield. And I, I started uh, becoming a part of it more and more often. I started offering to sing with local bands and things like that. And then one day I uh, I had maybe just had a little bit of vodka and <laughs> I walked up to my friends after a night of their playing um, and it was like a bluegrass kind of jam uh, outfit at the time. It was called Back Into The Left. And I just loved what they did. And I said, I marched right up and I said, hey, I play fiddle. Do you guys need a fiddle player? <laughs> Knowing full well in my head that I did not know how to play the fiddle anymore. And uh, of course they were like, yeah, sure, we need a fiddle player. And so I went home and knew what I had uh, done and uh, dealt with that and was terrified and picked up the violin that I had brought with me. I still have one laying around and I started playing on it and I was pretty awful. And I almost didn't go to that first rehearsal, but that a friend of mine, uh, her name was Kristen, and she... Uh, encouraged me to just give it a shot, and I did, and that was it. I was hooked from day one there, and I, I like I said, I think I was about 23 maybe at the time, 22. Started playing violin all the time, and uh, started getting a little bit better slowly. I'm definitely not a virtuoso of any kind. It takes a lot of work to play music for me, uh, but I worked really hard at it and uh, joined a band called Barefoot Revolution. Um, after they split up, I joined a band uh, called Big Smith, and then after they split up, now I'm playing um, a lot of solo music, and I also play with the Ozark Mountain Daredevils, which is fun, um, and a lot of duet projects. And then I am also, I picked up cello around the age of 27. I play that almost as much as I play violin. I picked up guitar probably about five years ago. And so I have those three instruments, and I teach uh, private lessons out of my home, and I'm the mom of a 17-year-old daughter, and I have since also started my own nonprofit, which is Earth Day Springfield. No, so a lot of stuff going on there. <laughs> so it, uh, it's some. I'll I'll share a story about myself a little bit uh, there. So you mentioned, um, you know, you wanted to do the whole Broadway thing, and and kind of you're missing two pieces of that. Um, my, the way I can relate to that is um, in middle school, I played the trumpet, and I really enjoyed doing concerts. Sit down, you know read the music sheet, all that stuff. Really enjoyed that. But in high school, we had a really big marching band. Of course. And we did so too. <laughs> when this, I guess the summer of, or summer before my freshman year, it was, it was the same thing. It's like, okay, you know, we're going to do the two weeks before and like, see if you can make the marching band. And I was just absolutely terrible at playing, marching in rhythm <laughs> and memorizing well. the songs as well. It's like, nope. I, if it was just a concert band, I would still do it, but I can't put those three three things together. So I'm sorry, I can't. Uh, so I, I understand that yeah, to an extent. Sometimes it's just not meant to be. And then it <laughs> opens up another door, you know, that's the way it is. I, I sometimes lament that I don't do theater anymore. I love it still. You know, I just, I, I, I don't really listen to as much music from it as I used to, but it was always so much fun. But you know, again, it's just like when you close one door, it seems like another one opens. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then another thing I want to ask, so, you know, obviously you mentioned you grew up in a very, uh, musically inclined family with with all that stuff and obviously you're still involved mm -hmm. with it now so was there 
you know, because you, you'll hear, I don't know, some some stories of people that are in, that are in families and all that stuff is around them, not necessarily just music, but, you know, maybe they want to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever that might be. And that can kind of push away the kid from kind of pursuing that. So was it more like a, um, there, you know, obviously you had them all around you, but was there something, I guess, specific about playing an instrument, no matter what it was, um, or singing or whatnot, that kind of, that drew you into it where you continued to stay involved with it. Does that sort of make sense? Was there like a, uh, I think that when you, to answer your question, I think that those of us who end up doing music for a living, um, there's sort of an inescapable path that you're set to. And it's not because anybody convinces you of that path. In fact, you've probably got a whole bunch of people convincing you not to take that path because it's not very practical. You know, most musicians, unless you hit it big, don't make a whole lot of money. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it can be a really rough life <laughs> and it is, it's stressful. You know, I have to manage all my own stuff and, um, I, I work all the time and, um, just to try to make sure that I can, you know, keep my house and keep my daughter fed and things like that. So, but I think there's just like an inescapable, you just don't know how to do anything else. And, yeah. um, you love it so much. I love it so much that I can't imagine, you know, I tried for a while. I tried to work at a travel agency um, and I just was unhappy, really unhappy. So I came back to it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and, and, you know, obviously you mentioned the, the, uh, I guess more or less the business side of it where, you know, obviously getting paid, but also managing everything, your calendar, everything like that. But I would imagine when you're actually practicing and performing, it's almost like a, um, a kind of like a peaceful place, you know, cause that's obviously I'm sure what kind of keeps you drawn, you know, with yeah. all the chaos that surrounds it as, you know, most of us do with whatever, you know, career or hobby or whatnot that we have. So, and that's why I feel very lucky because even though I work a lot and I manage a private studio, you know, for the most part, I'm, my schedule is flexible and I have been lucky enough to be able to carve out time to do the business stuff so that I can also keep the time to do the creative stuff and stay active because I think it's really important. I think if you become a musician and you end up not finding the time to continue to try to be creative and inspired by what you're doing, then what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless you're having fun with it and, and continuing to uh, get joy out of it, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know why anybody would do it. <laughs> so, so with that, before we kind of move on to the next uh, part of, you know, your other ventures, do you have like a, a story that stands out of maybe performing or something specific uh that, that happened kind of throughout, you know, your, your time as a musician, magician, musician, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, musician. I like that <laughs> word. <laughs> uh, you heard it first. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, are there any like kind of interesting stories, I guess, that maybe accompany that, that, or one that kind of stands out that you always tell friends or, or something like that? Um, as far as being a musician, really, it's just that, that whole, um, how I mean, I think I probably would have always followed that path, but the whole way the, the violin started for me, um, I just, you know, to, to, to have boldly gone up knowing full well that I had no business offering my services to a band <laughs> with an <laughs> instrument that I hadn't picked up in five years. Um, and then just something just compelled me that night to do it. And then, you know, knowing, then when I went home, woke up the next morning, just like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Did I do that? <laughs> oh dear Lord, they're expecting me at a rehearsal, like in two days, what am I going to do? I, and I picked up the violin and it was just, I mean, it felt like 
putty in my hands. I just didn't, I, I, I could honestly, like people ask me how long I've been playing violin. I say since seventh grade, but really I've been playing since 22 because when I picked it up again, uh, you know, like I, like I said in high school, I didn't care about it. I didn't like it. You know, I was pretty bad at it. And when I picked it up again, it was just, I, it, it was like starting from scratch. And so I just have to say, you know, there, there are people, those people, um, are still people, my friends today. It was, uh, you know, Brandon Moore is actually the father of my child. And, um, there were a couple other guys in the band, Marcus Chapman, um, Zach Young. Anyway, it was, uh, they were so welcoming of me and I'm still friends with them this day. And it was just, once that was over, I was like, I can do this. You know, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to do it for a living, but I was like, I can practice this violin and get kind of good at this. This is fun. (laughs) Found that uh, that passion and kind of followed it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, and then you mentioned that kind of the end of the story. Uh, you know, um, you're also in the middle, uh, or is it? Is it? In, are you still working on turning it into a, making it a nonprofit? Because I, I remember, or are you in the process of that? Yeah, we're just not quite approved. Like we've got our own. We're basically there. We just waiting on the IRS now. Yeah, all, all the fun headache yeah. stuff. I'm sure, you know. <laughs> so, so what? Uh, what is the Earth Day Festival here? Um, you know, why is it so important? And kind of, you know, what? What? Yeah, why is it so important to you? And why did you think it was something that you you felt kind of compelled to start? You know, given the sustain, sustainability aspect of it, um, obviously focusing on the outdoors, that kind of stuff. So, what? I guess, what is the story leading up to it? And then, what's more about about that by itself? Sure. Yeah. So um, about three years ago, I get, well, 2019. So yeah, I guess that's already three years ago. My goodness. That's crazy. Um, it, uh, I was coming home from a festival once and, you know, just touching again about how music is so stressful. It just really is. It's, it, it can, you know, it's a rough business. There's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of joy. Uh, it's just an endless roller coaster, especially when you're trying to do your own solo thing. And I think I was just during one of those down phases where I just wasn't feeling very good about myself. And I think a couple of things had gone wrong. I was I was driving home from a festival and I had my beautiful daughter, Annabelle, in the car with me and we were having a conversation. And I was thinking, you know, uh, I had also that year simultaneously been trying to get a little bit more green at home. I was, uh, you know, that year I had started composting. I was planting trees. Um, I, of course, started recycling a long time ago, but I was just basically really trying to reduce my carbon footprint at home because I don't know about you, but like a lot of the rest of the world, it's it's just getting pretty scary, yeah. <laughs> our, predicti- our predicament, you know, and, and it's only gotten worse since then. And so, um, and I was thinking at the time it would be really nice to start actually doing something a little bit more proactive about that other than just making changes at home because uh, I'm just one person, you know, and so I was having a conversation with her, and I said, you know, I may I may think about quitting this music thing full-time and try to move into some sort of, you know, environmental work. She goes, I don't think that would be a very good idea, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I said, yeah, I know I'd miss it. She goes, you'd more than miss it, you know. And she said, you don't have to quit. You can put the two interests together, figure out a way to do environmentalism and music at the same time because that's really powerful. And I was like, wise words from a, <laughs> what did it say, time 14 15, 14 year old. <laughs> so, and that's when I just started thinking. Um, and then, you know, what could I do as a musician? And of course, uh, you know, always the most obvious answer is to play music to fundraise. And, and that's kind of where the idea was born. And um, because to me, 
the sad truth is, is that the only way we're going to save this world from a climate change disaster is if we can make it profitable to do so. That's just the yeah. sad reality. You know, yeah. um, there are a lot of reasons that climate change legislation um, changes, uh, you know, uh, restrictions or, uh, you know, guidelines for companies. A lot of the reasons those are abandoned or voted down or rejected uh, is because they don't make financial sense. It always, the argument is always it's not economically feasible. And so to me, the only way to make it economically feasible is to try to start putting money in the right place and try to make it so that we invest in renewables um, and stop making it so cheap to use oil and fossil fuels. Um, and I can't do that on my own, but um, I know that what I, one thing I can do is to try to empower my own local community, uh, local environmental organizations, try to give them some money in their pocket to become a little bit uh, more powerful with what they do in my local environment. And so, and then simultaneously, um, I play a lot of music festivals. And when you see the aftermath of some of those festivals, it's actually, it's very staggering. You know, just the amount of garbage that's created, uh, the the land is not taken care of. (laughs) And um, it's, you know, it just... It's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of waste that goes into producing big music festivals. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen documentaries about like the Woodstock or something like that. You know, it's just just tons of garbage. And it doesn't have to be that way, in my opinion. Now, I'm not doing a large-scale festival like Woodstock or Bonnaroo, but um, I am, We're our goal here is about 1,500 people here in Springfield, Missouri at Mother's Brewing Company. And my idea is to have it be a fundraiser for our local environmental organizations. Um, and we're also simultaneously going to be as plastic-free as possible. By that, I mean, like, of course, there's going to be some plastic on the premises, but we're going to drink out of reusable metal cups that the guests can take home with them that day. Um, no plastic cups, no plastic water bottles. We're going to have water-filling stations. People are going to be encouraged to bring their own water bottles, or they can use some reusable cups provided on site if they don't have one. We're going to encourage biking to the festival. Um, and we're also uh, going to try to just eliminate on uh, food waste containers, um, make sure that we don't have any kind of styrofoam or anything like that on, you know, compost, hopefully for a compostable food container uh, uh, disposal. And um, we have nine bands performing, and it's for the low, low ticket price of $25, $30 at the gate. That's not bad. That's not bad. So it's... You know, obviously, you know, you mentioned it's, you know, obviously not um, Bonnaroo or anything like that. But to your point, it's still kind of that small impact in in our local community, which someone else from another community can say, hey, she's doing that. Why can't we do that here? So it's almost, you know, hopefully kind of creates that that effect that way. Um, And I feel like since my time in Springfield, I've been here about eight or nine years now, um, I, I feel like kind of that's the way that everything's kind of slowly going. Like there's almost since my, like I said, my short time here that there's that shift of different organizations, different individuals, different nonprofits that are kind of um, making that move to kind of think about our community in that way. So it's cool that this brings another piece to that, mm-hmm. that puzzle, um, you know, to, to build the, the full picture. Um, so, so you mentioned, you know, obviously you're, you know, I love the idea of um, all 
um, kind of being waste free in a sense, because that's one thing I didn't really think about. But then as soon as you said, it's like, oh yeah, any festival, anything like that, there's trash everywhere. There's garbage. And yeah, the climate um, March, I remember the, seeing the aftermath of that and just like, I, it was in New York and there was a big climate. I don't remember exactly which one. I know there's been multiple ones, but they were talking about the, the absolute hypocrisy of having this March for the March for the climate and then looking at the streets afterwards. It's like, I mean, and I, and it's hard. It's like, because you have to drink water, yeah. you know, you, it's, it's, it's not just a, such a, there's no easy solution to any of this. Uh, you know, you can't just say you need to use less plastic because what's the alternative? Sometimes the alternative means that you're transporting heavier materials and it means more of a carbon footprint there. You know, there's a lot of subtleties. So you can't get, it's, it's hard to say that a festival is doing wrong when they have a bunch of garbage. When you have single use, plastic containers, that's a less of a health hazard, right? So because, so we're having to, now that we don't have plastic cups, uh, we are going to have to have sanitation stations and make okay. sure that we sanitize those cups because we can't add to this pandemic by getting more people sick by handling these cups over and over again, things like that. I mean, so it's, it's always a complex problem trying to make sure that you actually become greener and don't just create another problem by, uh, by solving one problem. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just something that uh, I think that we can make our small, you know, just it's almost more symbolic than anything, but just, you know, trying to say, okay, when we gather, we tend to make a lot of garbage. Let's think of it this way. Yeah. And then, you know, those 1,500 people or everybody that shows up, you know, they'll uh, they'll get a better understanding of that because they're, you know, some of them are probably just showing up because the band line up or whatever like that. And then they're like, oh, wow, look at this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, movement al- almost that they're trying to do in this this um, kind of standard that, hey, we can change this. So that's yeah. that's awesome. So the so I know with that, you know, you mentioned you, you give back or you're partnering with different nonprofits um, to give back and, and support them. So what are those nonprofits? And then if you can talk a little bit about, about what they specifically do. Well, my partner, Barry, is a little bit more um, <laughs> the, the guy to ask as far as what their specific missions are. So, um, and I wish he was here. But I can tell you, so we are, um, it's the James River Basin Partnership, you know, obviously uh, working on the James River cleanup and things like that. Um, the Watershed Committee, also water quality around here. Um, and then um, the uh, Ozark Greenways, which makes um, trails accessible to all of Springfield um, that run through the towns. So... Those three uh, organizations are, are our main um, partner. Those are our main beneficiary, be, beneficiaries. Um, we're also working on some other little subsidiary partnerships with like Trail Spring Bike um, and uh, hopefully the uh, diaper. It's it's they they've kind of uh, they're they're kind of in the process of some transitions, but uh, a an organization anyway that um, promotes uh, uh, reusable cloth diapers. Yeah. yeah. So there. So we may be partnering with them as well. We're we're talking about a bunch of uh, other organizations that are going to hopefully come and have booths set up and things like that during the day, and and um, so that people can come and not only know that um, their ticket their ticket sales are going to benefit these major organizations, but they can also visit these other organizations and see what they do for our community. Even though they might not be the big three, um, they can get information on on those and see, you know, if maybe they want to help them as well or become part of them or volunteer. Yeah. Just see what they do. That's another thing. It's like, you know, I don't think that people know a lot about how 
our environmental organizations work or what they are, you know? So I know I didn't and I'm still, still learning. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I agree with that aspect too. Cause um, so, you know, we've had um, James River Basin partnership on as guests and a partner with them and Ozark Greenways um, before uh, I haven't done anything with the, the watershed committee yet, but you know, for, for instance, with like James River Basin partnership, obviously they're helping the water ways but they're helping the entire water basin here exactly yeah and they do that with special programs uh, and i don't know them exactly but rainwater collection um different um i think they do something with some sewage pumps and that kind of stuff and uh, a lot of different things that uh, that you don't really think about when you think of their name and and you know thinking of, of our water basin and all that kind of stuff they're not just picking up garbage along the river. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're doing a lot more and a lot more community programs that, you know, a lot of people, to your point, mm -hmm. don't know. Um, I was the same way when I first interviewed them. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of a lot of stuff that they were doing. So, and then, you know, obviously the greenways, you know, connecting, you know, so, so many trails, walking, hiking, all that stuff around yeah. the area, which has kind of been a big movement um, here as well, I think, in they're Springfield. Beautiful. And then the watershed and... You know, their mission uh, is to sustain and improve the water resources of Springfield, you know, and through education and, and um, programs and things like that. So it's those those three organizations right there are, yeah, probably something that you didn't even know about if you're just a regular Springfield resident. Yeah. Heard of them, but you're like, I don't know what they do. Exactly. <laughs> so it gives, gives the opportunity to do that, you know, with some uh, with some fun at, at Mother's Brewing, good music and all that stuff as well. So, um is this the, is this the first year that you've done this? Or? Yes. So of course we were so we were slated for Earth Day 2020. Um, the festival uh, was supposed to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. That's what 2020 was. Um, and uh, of course, right you know a month before we were about to go live, um, coronavirus hit the world and we had to cancel and we put it off to that fall. And then we ended up putting off until the next spring, and then we ended up putting it off until this year. So it's been put off three times now. Um, but, yes, this is our flagship or inaugural inaugural year, I guess, is the better adjective to say. Um, and But we're hoping, and the reason we formed a nonprofit is we're hoping to do this yearly. Um, as long as we don't crash and burn this first year, which I don't think we will. No. We've got a lot of support from the community, and I think that it's, it's going really well. So um, we are going to try to do this every year on the Saturday that's like either right after Earth Day, right before, um, and yeah, hopefully grow. Yeah, that that's awesome. And, you know, obviously the unfortunate circumstances where it had to get pushed back, but there's... Uh, we're still here, though. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're still here. You, you know, you can't you can't uh, affect everything. So, so uh, you know, you said you want to, you know, do this kind of year after year and kind of make this a staple and with also, you know, forming it as a nonprofit. Do you, so as you kind of grow and obviously you want to focus on the festival kind of as the main, the main thing for now, but do you see different opportunities where you could do other things throughout the year as, as far as that goes we'll or, see. or I you, mean, do you just want to focus right now on, you know, that one day? Well, the, the cool thing now is that it's not just my decision anymore. Since we are a nonprofit, we have a board. That's fair. And yeah. so um, all these decisions that we're going to make going forward are going to be, you know, decisions that we talk over with each other and, um, so, and that's, I think it's awesome. So like this started out is my idea, but it wasn't just my idea. They had been doing Earth Day celebrations in Springfield forever, you know? So like, as soon as I put my idea out there, I was approached by them. And so that's what basically happened is that we've partnered with, um, the original Earth Day celebration, which was just kind of a gathering, 
um, to make this new festival. So they really helped us out. And um, Loring Bullard and, and Barry Rowell, who is now my partner. Um, but yeah, so we don't, right now we're trying to get through just this. Uh, but I can definitely see potential for other things, you know, as we move forward. But for, as of now, we're basically going to stay focused on, you know, making this our number one priority um, because, you know, Barry's retired firefighter. He's my partner. Um, and I don't know how much interest he has in, in like upping his work on this. I think we're just going to kind of stay put with just making a festival for now. Um, but, and I still have my other jobs as far as <laughs> and stuff like that. So we're going to stay put, but you know, like I said, we have a board now, so we can talk about these things and have meetings and who knows what the future holds if this is really successful. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, and it's cool to hear that the community got on board, um, kind of what you said, you know, there's something sort of similar like this already happening and, you know, you kind of brought your fresh ideas. They're like, okay, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's join, join the forces. And I think they still have, you know, a gathering on Earth Day itself. Um, so we're a little bit separate now, um, but this is basically what hopefully is going to become the fundraising aspect of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So what if, um, so I'm, I'm curious a little bit because, you know, a lot of the, the nonprofits that I speak with, you know, they've already sort of been established and stuff. What has kind of been like the most has there been like a surprising, uh, I'm sure there's been frustrations, but any surprising things that you learned about actually forming a nonprofit? Like, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I can't really say that I've been disappointed yet. Yet we've, um, I've had, uh, a, the, the firm that's handling, you know, has been very supportive of us. Um, and, uh, the law firm that's handling it. And, uh, so it's been a pretty, pretty easy process so far. I mean, we're not done, but, um, and we had, we now have, uh, one, two, three, we have five members on our board okay. now. <laughs> so, um, we just had our meeting a couple weeks ago, but, um, and everybody was very willing. So, so far, no drama. I, let's hope, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, we're, but we're, again, we're not through it yet. So the biggest thing that I worry about is the weather. Yes. That is the one thing. <laughs> That's like, I mean, I can, I can control everything else, but we're just really hope we have a nice day. I mean, we, when you get to festivals of this size and you get production involved and things like that, basically, you know, things are covered and, and you can, uh, meaning covered by, so that if bands can perform in the rain, if we have to and things like that. But, you know, if it storms, we're kind of out of luck. And, um, so if it's cold, we can go, we can move forward. If it rains a little bit, we can move forward. If it's, you know, and, and the, and the ir irony of that is, you know, what does climate change bring to us? More severe weather. So let's just hope that, that, that it kind doesn't. Of ironic, yeah. Uh, let's just hope he doesn't uh, rear its ugly head in that way. So. For an, a nice, cool, breezy, sunny day. I have to say that it was very, uh, That that is the one thing that was frustrating is watching the last two Earth Days go by where we were supposed to be, where we were scheduled both in 2020 and 2021. Both of those festival dates were bright and sunny. <laughs> and beautiful and either in the 60s or in the 70s. So if this year <laughs> is not so, then I'm going to think that there's some sort of universe force that's against me. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm keeping my fingers crossed and remaining positive. Third, third time third time is a charm, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the weather will keep cooperating. I, I hope so because it sounds like it's going to be an, an awesome festival, awesome event. Um, so one thing I always like to ask our guests um, is one piece of advice, you know, for our listeners and I'll, I'll kind of make this a, a twofer since, you know, we talked about, you know, kind of your music career and um, 
also you combining that with the whole sustainability uh, festival and whatnot. So what advice would you give our listeners, you know, if, if they're trying to, you know, maybe they were in a similar path that you were, you know, knew they had interest for music. And then, and then one time they're just like, Hey, you need me, you know, you need me on your band. You know, what, what would you say, I guess, to encourage them, I guess, to take that leap if that's something that they really wanted to do. But, um, you know, for some reason might not have that initial confidence or afraid for some reason to take that leap to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of do what you did. Well, um, I have a saying that I use and, um, I repeat it to myself frequently and I, I doubt that I came up with it. I don't remember where I got it if I did get it, but, um, well, I'll quote you on it. It's okay. okay. So, um, uh, and it is start small, think big, work hard. So, um, and you know, so the starting small part, obviously you can't bite off more than you can chew. So if you're just starting on an instrument, you've got to give it time, but a little bit every day, you know, and, um, and that's just thinking big, knowing that there are possibilities out there and not giving up on that possibility, but then most of all to work hard. And that is, you know, the daily work it's, it's daily practice. Um, staying motivated daily to whatever it is, whether you're a songwriter or whether you're just a soloist or, you know, whatever you do musically, you've got to be able to, even when you're tired, is all get out from your work day and you come home and you don't want to touch your instrument and all you want to do is sit in front of your TV, give it 15 minutes, just just that something. Because one of the things that I've noticed that when you put something off over and over again and you say you're going to get to it and you say you're going to get to it, then all of a sudden it's like that thing grows into a mountain. Whereas like you just wanted to practice some scales, you know, then the next day it's scales and then you wanted to learn the sonata and then the next thing, you know, and so in, in, in your head with anything that you put off, it becomes a mountain. When you start to chip away at it daily, you, that mountain turns into, you realize it was never a mountain at all. And so I think that that's my biggest piece of advice for, for that aspect of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of taking the, the small chunks of it um and staying persistent and then to to the other side of things you know if if someone also has a passion about the outdoors sustainability those kinds of things and want to sort of create um this this opportunity that you're creating with the earth day festival coming up um what what advice would you give them to get started and to kind of you know work towards that goal kind of in a similar way of taking the, the small steps as you know a musician so are you specifically asking if somebody wanted to start another festival like I did or if they just want to get into environmental work in general? Uh, it could be both, actually. Yeah. How about that? I think that um, I think I'm not Jane Goodall. That's who it is. Okay, Jane yeah, yeah. Goodall. That, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of names floating through my head. Uh, anyway, she, uh, you know, they were asking her how, because I think the number one thing that environmentalists fight against is, is overwhelming. Uh, bad news and you know even me sometimes it's really easy for me to just be like I tried it didn't work oh well let's let's go get some takeout and styrofoam boxes and and drive our car um excessively and fill up our gas tanks and 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 uh book a plane ticket while we're at it I don't know you know (laughs) um because that's the world we live in and we all have to do that um and don't get me wrong I still do all of those things. I just try to think about it when I do it. Um, it's, it can get over overwhelming and the bad news is so bad. And every day it seems like there's more bad news. 
And every day they're telling us we have less and less time to fix it. And it can be really easy to just let that overwhelm you and give up and to think that you, because you're not a large corporation and because you're not a lobbyist and because you're not a politician, that you don't have anything to offer. And that's the trap. I think that's the ultimate trap because if we can't get regular people involved in this because they're too overwhelmed because they think that they can't make a difference, then we're, we're not going to make it through it. You know, we're going to end up with the worst effects of it. And so to me, I think that, for instance, Earth Day for me is my little thing. It's, it's, it's helping my corner of the world um, with a little bit of extra cash and awareness and a festival that doesn't create a whole lot of garbage. So start, it's, it's the same thing. It's start small, think big, work hard, but it's more and just think about your own little pocket, your own corner of the world and what you can do. And then going forward, though, try to get out of your comfort zone just a little bit. Try to do a little something extra. You know, maybe uh, every month a little something extra, but maybe every year you think I'm going to change another one of my habits and see if I can um, do this and convert this. Or maybe I'm going to start donating to an organization and, and, and continue to donate to them. Or maybe I'm really going to try to buy that electric car this year. Or... Um, bike more to work or just any there's so many things that you can do and you don't have to do them all you can just choose one thing and then grow from there yeah that makes sense and kind of to your point too you know kind of giving up after looking at the big problems you know it's obviously very daunting if you if you look at the big picture but to your point if you look at the little things in your life that you can control in that way and you can encourage your friends and family to do and kind of that way that's still doing your part, even though obviously you, you don't have the power or money or what resources as yeah. other larger people do. So it kind of s- almost like a switch the mindset almost in that yeah. sense. Yeah, And you can't, and there are going to be people's minds who you can't change, yeah. you know, even your own family. But uh, if you continue to set your own good example and show that you can have fun while doing it, then a lot of times that's better than trying to sit down and have a conversation and tell them to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Actions speak louder, right? They do. Yeah. <laughs> So where can people um, find you online if they want to, you know, obviously um, see where you're up to uh, with the music and then obviously all the details about the festival if they're here local or, or, or close to the Springfield area and then come out and, and join us? Yeah, so um, tickets are on sale right now. Um, you can either go um, and find the ticket link on our Facebook page, which is uh, Earth Day 2022 Festival. Just search Earth Day 2022 Festival Springfield and you'll find it. Um, there's a ticket link in there to buy your tickets. Um, you can also uh, like the page. There's an event and a page, and so you can go and like the page, and you can also join the event. Um, and we'll keep you updated on all the latest announcements. We are so excited that uh, Springfield's own uh, nationally touring artist, The Hillbenders, are headlining, so it's going to be super exciting. Um, and also our website is earthdayspringfieldmo.org. You can go on there and get tickets as well. Um, and it's at Mother's Brewing Company, like I said. The date is April 23rd, 2022, and it's a Saturday. And then for my personal stuff, which I would love it if you would come to my Facebook page and give me a like, it's Molly Healy, H-E-A-L-E-Y. Um, but just search Molly Healy. Um, you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook, YouTube, all those good things. And then my website is mollyhealy.com. Awesome. Well, definitely uh, make sure you check out the, the festival info and also, um, like I said, her, her music page and whatnot. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the event. So if you're in Springfield, definitely uh, get your ticket, come out and listen to some good bands, uh, have a good time. And 
that was a little knock for the weather right there. It's going to be beautiful. Um, but thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story and kind of, um, you know, the kind of the journey that you've taken to, to you know, getting where you are today and obviously um, the impact that you're trying to have on our community with your, with your passion. So I appreciate that. My pleasure. It was really fun being here. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.